0: It's Tennessee Titans talking, John. That game almost gave me a heart attack. I know it gave you a heart attack for real, but (laughs) by hook or by crook, we're five and zero. This is the best start since a magical two thousand and eight season, and we just keep on winning.
1: Oh baby, it's a great day to be a Titans fan. You know, I was I was nervous, and you know, kind of like you alluded to. um, You know, there was a lot of scoring and a lot of quick scoring and. Pushing games to overtime, I don't want to keep doing it, but I'm glad that we can, and I'm glad that we came out with a, a really hard-fought victory, and like you said, 5-0, and that's something to
0: be proud of. Yeah, and after yesterday's 42-point outburst, your Titans are now second in the NFL in points per game, only behind the Seahawks by 0.2 points per game, <laughs> and for a team that for so long was the epitome of gritty winning, winning 20-17 to all the time, to be almost tied for first in scoring per game and being the best offense on a per play basis John it's fun even though the defense has crumbled in the absence
1: oh it's incredibly fun i mean we get to watch Tana thrill at his best you know he's he was slinging it all over the yard yesterday threw for four touchdowns he did have one pick but you know there he was under pressure a lot so i'm not going to really eat his lunch for that even though it wasn't it, it wasn't the the worst throw he ever made in his life But yeah, no, and watching Derrick Henry do what he did yesterday, you know, we saw him with uh, his arguably second biggest run of his career, a 94-yard touchdown run. It was a day full of excitement.
0: I do want to tone down the excitement just for a minute. Sadly, our franchise left tackle, Taylor lewan he confirmed he tore his ACL yesterday. And during the third quarter, he will be out (sighs) for the rest of the season. He is ready to go to rehab. He seems optimistic that won't be anything major, but for this season, to lose maybe our best offensive lineman, and especially with the defensive slate we have coming up, none more than Pittsburgh. John, how worried are you with this uh, predicament?
1: I'll tell you what, anytime you lose a guy like Taylor Lewan, even if it's for half of a game, it's a big deal. Thankfully, Ty, Ty Sembraio, he is he's been able to come in and take advantage of the opportunity. You know, he gave me a heart attack yesterday when he first came in for Taylor. Uh, He got his lunch eaten by J.J. Watt. But then he kind of settled down and, you know, he righted the ship and he played pretty well throughout the rest of the game. Uh, I'm nervous, but I think having Sam Braio, uh kind of view, you know, ha- having him with the expectation that he's going to be starting every game from here on out, it could be a, a good thing and he could prepare a little bit more and get a little bit more ready. Um, also, Lane, I want to get your thoughts on this too. How does this impact the ramp-up speed or, you know, ability to play of Isaiah Wilson?
0: Well, I think Dennis Kelly has proven that. He is the established right tackle, at least for this season, until he melts down. He's maybe been our best offensive lineman overall. Yesterday, J.J. Watt didn't give him problems. He did a good job of shutting down the right side. He's been consistent. With Isaiah Wilson, he was projected to be a right tackle coming into the NFL. His lack of lateral mobility on left tackle could be an issue. But right now, his conditioning is still a concern. He's been running with the threes. If worse came to worst... By the end of the season, he could play left tackle or we could kick Kelly to left tackle.
1: Mm-hmm. But I think
0: what's most likely is we keep Kelly at right tackle where he's been fine. Sambrelo, who's played 1.3 games worth of snaps over the last three games with LeJuan leaving each game due to injury. Sambrello and Kelly are locked in for the immediate future unless Isaiah Wilson just comes back in with a major work ethic, gets in shape, displays that dominant power he had, and there's just no way the coaches can put him aside just because he's a rookie
1: unfortunately it's doubtful as you and i doubtful as you and i both know i mean the guy has not been playing he's just come off the covid list for the second time even during the game i don't know if you noticed but he's got purple hair now I don't know when we're going to actually see him, but this might be the perfect opportunity uh, for them to get him on the field. I would kind of, now that we have that flexibility, I kind of would like to see him come in for, you know, just a certain set of plays, maybe. Kind of like we used to do with Kelly, where we do those, you know, power, uh, where we had three tackles in the games, those power sets. And maybe just say, hey, you know what? You're in terrible shape. You don't know what you're doing. Just line up next to Dennis Kelly or to, next to Ty Sambrello and block whoever's in front of your face and put them in the dirt. Uh, I mean, that's the best-case scenario for, for Wilson right now, don't you think?
0: Sambrello is our best option at left tackle, I think. Kelly has been playing too well to really push him out of a starting job. Yeah, And I don't think Wilson can play guard, at least not with as little experience as he does. So it's frustrating that our first round pick is likely going to be a backup the entire season but at the very least it's because Dennis Kelly has been playing at a decent level.
1: Yeah, right, silver lining. So yeah, I, I agree. I don't think he's ever going to overtake either of these guys for a starting job. I just want to, you know, see him get some game action and maybe just using him as that power power third tackle might be the the opportunity he needs to, you know, get game experience and
0: figure it all out. I was certainly in since we're playing the Steelers, great run defense next week. Right. That's the perfect time to go and just say, "Hey, you're a big boy. Go hit this other big boy as hard as you can." We're, <laughs> two, y- we're, we're two yards out. You can't really mess this up.
1: Right. Exactly. And, and you know, at least get some some power, and you know, get some uh, you know get that offensive line total weight to, to over a cajillion pounds.
0: <laughs> Going back to a more positive outlook, this was one of Ryan Tannehill's best games this year. He has been the fourth-worst quarterback on non-play-action yards per attempt. And yesterday, he went 22 of 25, 220 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions for 9.6 yards per attempt. And we saw in, on the game-tying touchdown, Derrick Henry, there was no threat. There was no play-action. He didn't have that crutch. And Tannehill, the moment he stepped on the field, I was confident. We were going to go down there. We were going to have a shot to tie the game. And what do you know? You did just that.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I think our play action game is second to none. The the way that we, I mean, and, and teams have to respect it because you know we could, he could any at any moment just give it to Henry <laughs> and he's going to cause problems. He's going to cause matchup issues. Um, I, I'll tell you what, when i I felt confident when they went out for the, there for the coin toss, we won the toss and Deshaun Watson just looked, he's like, ah, crap. And you know, he kind of like was jokingly, you know, saying it was over, but, that's when, I, that's when I, felt I, I, I knew something was going to happen. and you know, Obviously, you like our chances with the amount of points that were scored if we get the first crack at it, and luckily we did. But hey, this, this could have easily gone the other way, don't you think?
0: And that's why Romeo Cornell, I think, smartly went for two after they scored the touchdown. You don't have faith in the defense. If they gave up a length of the field touchdown and we still had to go for two, do you really trust the defense to stop us then? But if they got the two points, it'd be a two possession game and it's all over. But luckily, Jeffrey Simmons, <laughs> I, we continue to say this. He keeps having his best game of his career. Uh, and he he saved the day. Watson scrambled, Simmons readjusted and batted the ball down and he saved the game.
1: I I agree, and I defy you to play I defy you to find a pair of tackles that are playing better than Simmons and Daquan Jones. I mean, Jeff Simmons I'll tell you what, I criticized it a lot when we, when we drafted him at 19, uh, when the draft was here in Nashville, and I totally walked back every regret I had. He is just incredible, and he might be, honestly, he might be my new favorite player. He is just lights out, nonstop muscle. And the way he was getting after Watson from the inside was incredible yesterday. He did get his first sack, so I'm really happy to see that. First sack of this year. So I'm, I was really happy to see that, and Clowney was in there to kind of finish him off, and it, it was just really a great day for our defense, specifically the line. We had some issues in coverage, um, but I'll kind of get your thoughts on that in a minute. But yeah, Big Jeff Simmons, he was incredible.
0: Among high snap defensive tackles so guys who aren't nose tackles or rotational guys i think the only defensive tackle you can say is certainly better than jeffrey simmons this year is aaron donald right and when you're going up against a living legend in his prime there's no shame in being second no
1: not at all i mean we've seen aaron donald i mean he's already had a four sack game this year i think that Aaron Donald might be the best defensive player in the game today. So it's really incredible to see. But yeah, Jeff, Jeff you know, Big Jeff is he's our guy and uh he, he is no slouch.
0: Speaking of another young star, maybe superstar, AJ Brown with his second game back of the season, once again comes up big. It wasn't an explosive game per se, but he was just so consistent when we needed a conversion or a touchdown, we went to him and of course yeah, the game-tying touchdown on a beautiful fade from Brian Tannehill in the end zone.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, we we talked on the phone yesterday a couple times throughout the game when when our nerves were able to handle it. But, yeah, I, I think just the relationship between Tannehill and A.J. Brown and A.J. Brown looking like the, the next big superstar, it's just incredible. And, you know, that's kind of... He defined, he's, he's being made a superstar because of his ability in these, in these very clutch situations. And he showed up huge yesterday when it counted. Here's the thing I loved about that catch, specifically. Myself, and probably all of America that was watching the game, thought Tannehill was going to clock that ball. I was sure of it. And it almost looked like a, a just like, it looked like as they were breaking the huddle, AJ might have been like, hey, hit me, (laughs) and then he's like, oh, all right, and then they literally got to the line quick, snapped it, and he just instantly threw it where he was supposed to be, Uh, you know, almost a no-look pass, and sure enough, AJ Brown came down with it. I know there are a lot of questions on if he were, were down, but according to the NFL rules, the simultaneous shin and foot means possession inbounds, so... Um, he, he was in, and he made a big play. Uh, there was, I think there was four seconds left to go after that. So that was it. I
0: mean, that was the game. When they're lining up to do that as the throw was in the air, I just felt with the talent of Tannehill and A.J. Brown, this was one of the moments, this was one of the plays where, you're looking back in a couple of years, it's on a highlight reel with inspirational music. You just know what's going to happen because how can it not happen? And that that's the play of the season that I wish we could go to the games and have a full crowd for. Oh,
1: yeah, I would have. Uh, there are a million reasons why I would have loved to be there yesterday from Je- uh, from Big Jeff sack to Derrick Henry's 94-yard touchdown run. But, yeah, that would have been the moment. That would have set the crowd on fire, um, and that would have been awesome. You know, we saw the we saw last year how incredible it was to be there when we played the Chiefs and Josh Kalu blocked that field goal, and everybody just instantly went crazy. You were hugging random fans out of nowhere. Um, you know, can't do that with COVID, but it would have been an amazing day to be there yesterday. So yeah, it was just huge. Let me, Landon, let me get your thoughts on this. What is so? time to talk to talk on the other side of that coin what didn't we do well yesterday you know Deshaun Watson he had a pretty pretty big day you know what are your thoughts about watching him one of uh, arguably the NFL's brightest young stars
0: well just his combination of mobility arm talent and just the willingness to take the big play which sometimes hurts him we just didn't have any answer we we got some pressure but his ability to be mobile and reset the pocket and manipulate defenses. We just didn't have an answer. We don't have anyone athletic enough to keep them in contain and just his arm strength. We saw that in the will fuller throw. Just an absolute bomb and he wasn't scared at all. He was just going to take it. That's how he played all game. He has nothing to lose. His defense is terrible. He has to carry the team. That's all he did. And I feel really bad that his talents are stuck on a one in five team with no first or second round pick to help him, <laughs> but the guy's a top five quarterback on talent, and when he's on, he scares me as much as anyone. Just because I don't think there's anyone in the NFL that has the combination of his throwing talent and running talent at the same time.
1: Yeah, no, he's a, he's in a different class, um, and it just sucks that we have to play him twice a year in the in the South. And you know, thankfully now that Andrew Luck is no longer in the division, we only have to worry about one team with a quarterback. But you're right; I mean, he is. He almost reminds me of the situation that Matt Stafford has always been in. He's been in these teams that have just never been able to put anything around him. And, you know, the Texans do have some weapons, but how many games this season is Will Fuller actually on the field? Same thing with Brandon Cooks. Um, David Johnson, you know, he, he is a former all-pro guy and a shell of his former self. They're strapped for um, draft picks. They're strapped for cap room. They're not going to be able to do a whole lot. I almost wonder if they continue to, to go down at this downward spiral. Do you think it
0: might be a little bit of a fire sale in Houston? I think it's certainly possible. Cooks and David Johnson are pretty much out the door after this year. Same with Will Fuller. Like you said, the team isn't going anywhere. They've had a tough slate, but 1-5 is such a tough hill to climb out of that the, their best case is their draft picks will be around 12 or 13, but they're not going to have them. And these players who are decent players, they're not great, they're overpaid, are going to walk or they're going to be re-signed for too much money, and then what do you have then? I can right. certainly see Cooks or Fuller if they just want to bottom out, but at the same time, you can't just abandon Watson, no matter how bad the season gets. You can't just tell him, hey, I know we suck, but we're taking away all your best offensive weapons because we put ourselves in a hole. Go went out there with Kiki Q T as your re- receiver too.
1: Yeah, Lynn, you're right. You know, something I hadn't really thought about. I don't, a fire sale doesn't really help the development or the psyche of Deshaun Watson because, you know, he is a competitor and he is going to want to play. So if you try to get, a, if you try to trade Will Fuller, Brandon Cooks and get, you know, take away his options, it doesn't really bode well for one of the young stars in this league and his ability to, to compete. So uh, I, I think you make a good point. Maybe they won't have a fire sale. There are probably still some other people to ha- to ha- be had on this roster, though. So it'll be kind of interesting to see what they have. You've mentioned they don't really have a lot of draft picks. They don't really have a lot of cap room on this team either. So it, it, it could be very, very interesting to see where this team goes through the rest of the season. So I'll be watching uh, to kind of see how that develops.
0: And of course, we're singing the praises of Deshaun Watson because our entire secondary – just decide not to show up today
1: (laughs) you know like you alluded to earlier and you you said that his mobility is is unrivaled and he didn't show up a lot in the in the box score as far as rushing but the reason why he was able to complete so many passes is because he's able to buy time in the backfield and he's able to look his receivers open and he's able to throw the throw the throw to his third and fourth options So it's something that we have to do better at. We've got to get the pressure.
0: Yeah, we really missed Adore Jackson in this game, even if Adore was rusty. Just our cornerbacks aren't fast enough as is to keep up with Cooks or Fuller. On that Fuller long bomb, I don't know why Mike Vrabel called the play to have Bayard playing in the box and Malcolm Butler deep coverage. And obviously Butler doesn't really know how to play that. His eyes were in the wrong place. And boom, (laughs) instant touchdown. Why are we playing? maybe our slowest defensive back in deep coverage against one of the fastest players in the NFL.
1: Yeah, I agree. There were some questionable moments yesterday, and I don't know about you, but I, th- I feel like there were a couple times where the defense, the secondary kind of looked lost and were, they looked confused on what we were supposed to do. I don't know if there was some play calling problems or if they were just like played a good, set, good first half and kind of fell apart in the second half. I don't know what the deal is. I think that, well, number one, that has to get solved and figured out quickly because we've got the Steelers coming to town, and we all know their propensity for, for offensive touchdowns and the way they move the ball around, especially with the emergence of Chase Claypool and um, Juju Smith-Schuster. So they've got a lot of weapons on that
0: offense, and it terrifies me. Oh, absolutely. I think Adori has to be back for this game. Maybe they're playing it safe. Maybe he wasn't quite ready, but if this... If there were ever a game where you would take a 60% Adore Jackson over Jonathan Joseph, this is the game. Where Deontay Johnson or James Washington is wide receiver three, that's a really explosive offense. And ever since week one against Denver, our back seven hasn't really shown up to play in pass coverage the entire season.
1: Yeah, Butler had two picks last week. One of them was kind of luck. The other one was it was a decent play on the ball. Uh, we saw a bunch of close uh, a bunch of misses yesterday. I feel like there were a lot of close picks. There was one that Amani Hooker almost had. And he actually I think Amani Hooker actually played really well yesterday. But we kind of need more than that Fulton he made some big big misses yesterday um so I just think yeah we there were some picks to be had some turnovers to be had and we have to kind of close in on those and we have to separate ourselves and kind of not give the other op give the other team an opportunity and that's going to be huge for the Steelers and Big Ben
0: absolutely and I suppose the good news is our pass defense is playing as bad as anyone's in the NFL and we know we're talented enough to be above average so we have nowhere to go but up (laughs) that's true (laughs) that is true and another facet of the game that had been going swimmingly until yesterday was the kicking game yesterday we had a 27 yarder blocked and goskowski pulled a 30 yarder a bit to the right and that was just really surprising and it almost cost us the game because on that final drive we would have been down one or two points and we could have just taken a field goal into the game we don't need aj brown heroics but instead. Two miscues on special teams require a game-winning drive.
1: Yeah, you're right. It's something we have to keep our eye on because you saw Gostkowski kind of you know, lose himself for the first game and then he came back and he made some big-time kicks and uh, the week before he was huge. Um, so I don't know if maybe he just got overly confident. I don't know what happens to a guy like that. You know, also a future Hall of Famer it's very, very strange to see him miss kicks. Uh, I'm not going to credit, I'm not, I'm not going to throw the book at him on a block because that's not really his fault. But but yeah, I mean, you expect a guy like him to make every single kick, so it's terrifying that he's missing these chip shots. And I mean, I'm glad he can knock away a couple 50-plus yard field goals, but that's not, ex- I mean, we need him all the time. So we need him to make these kicks, especially the, the gimme's.
0: With our defense playing so poorly, it almost feels like it doesn't matter how great our offense is, no matter how much we score, if we're just giving away scoring opportunities on silly things like missing a sub-40 yarder, where if you can't trust the defense to get a few turnovers, which are mostly luck, it feels like, so far, you need to have confidence in your kicker when you get at 40 yards or less, you're getting the kick, you're getting those points, and this feels like the game plan for the future is score more than the other team.
1: Yeah, and I mean, that that's not thats not Titans football. <laughs> it, it never has been. And I, and I don't... Yeah, I want it to be that we score a lot of points, but I don't want to be... I, I don't want to score points just in reaction um, or to, to keep the game close. I want to be able to score points and stay up on people and put them away. Uh, I want... Our our talent on the field. I want it to just be so blatantly obvious that we're a juggernaut, that we can score whenever we want to and however we want to. I don't want to have to be in these shootouts, though. It is fun to watch.
0: And it's really surprising because you look at the playoffs last year, especially that Baltimore game, the best rushing offense since the '70s, and we shut it down completely. And now this season, we're the worst rushing, we're the worst rushing defense in terms of yards per carry allowed. And Losing Jarrell Casey is a big deal, but we upgraded our front seven a lot. We're missing a Dory Jackson, but that how much do cornerbacks really affect your run defense? It almost feels like... Do you think Dean Pease is the biggest reason why the defense has been so bad? Because on paper, we were a top 10 defense, and we're a bottom 5 defense so far.
1: Yeah, I surely think it is a big part of it. Um, I mean, Dean Pease is one, of the, is one of the greats as far as defensive coordinators go and defensive play callers, and I almost wonder... You know, we saw Dean Pease up in the box a lot and Vrabel's down on the field and he's, you know, supposedly the one calling the defensive plays. And I think Shane Bowen is also in the box. I'm not sure. But it makes a difference. And uh, I I kind of like being on the sideline with the guys. But at the same time, you get such a better view from up in the box. And if we're missing that creative genius up up in the sky – kind of have to leave a lot of it on the field, you know, with Vrabel. And I think that's a big difference. I think Logan Ryan was a really, really big piece. Not that I thought we we weren't going to miss him. I knew we would. But he brings that veteran leadership in in the defensive secondary that we needed. We were such a strong unit last year and finishing off last year. I think that piece is missing, and that piece was underappreciated you know, in, in in the off season and leading up to the season. So I really miss Dean Pease. I, I miss Logan Ryan. I think it would have been so much better if we had Logan Ryan and then had Fulton develop and if Dory, you know, is healthy, we'd have a really good rotation. I think that would that would
0: be a world of difference for us. And speaking of Mike Vrabel, yesterday he added another win to his candidacy <laughs> for smartest and trickiest head coach in the NFL where on a second and one with about four minutes left, he intentionally sends out Josh Kalou to get 12 men on the field. He points out to the ref that they've got 12 men on the field. He sells it so he's not being palpably unfair by cheating the system. He gives up a first down, but he saves a down because second and one is essentially a guaranteed first down.
1: Mm-hmm. And by
0: doing so, he saves 40 seconds, give or take. And once you know it, we needed it every second we could get to tie the game. And he's just proven to be a true Belichick disciple, manipulating <laughs> the rules entirely legally, just getting little legs up. in. at the time, I was frustrated. Just the defense was playing so terribly and we can't even get the right people on the field. But in hindsight, and looking at the analytics and how calculated it was, just the, the respect for Mike Rabel to figure out these little things and have the willingness just to do them is impressive.
1: (laughs) It was awesome. And just like you said, Land, I was furious. I'm like, at this point in the game, how are we going to get penalized for 12 men on the field? But after the fact, you know, looking at the reports and stuff and, you know, seeing the analytics of the time and the odds. Oh my gosh. You know, he, (laughs) if there's uh, an NFL Nobel peace prize or an NFL uh, award for smartest guy, uh, smartest coach it, it Vrabel, Belichick disciple he is within the rules and doing the right things and making these calls that really make a big difference and like you said we needed every single second that we that we that there was we tied it up with four seconds left so it was huge that arguably is the play of the game
0: and we decided to save the best for last because we want to end this podcast on a high note Derrick Henry (laughs) there's any doubt that he's not the best running back in the world right now this game puts to rest. you got to crown him after today.
1: Oh, you've got to crown him. He's right now through five games, he's at 588 rushing yards, six touchdowns. He's second only to Dalvin Cook in that area. And he's just a straight-up man-child. And watching him run for that 94-yard touchdown run, I know Nathan hates the joke, but I'm sure he was having hot chocolate at that particular moment. <laughs> but, yeah, okay. he, he played incredible. And I, I – and, Lena, let me get your opinion on this. How much does it say about Henry that on our game-winning play, we do direct snap wildcat with Henry just bouncing it to the outside and, and getting that game-winning touchdown um, on an incredible day? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's thing, things legends are built
0: on, right? Arthur Smith knows it. You know it. I know it. Everyone in the stands knew it. Everyone on the Texan sideline knew it. Derrick Henry by far is the best player in that game. And you can't stop him. It doesn't matter if we go four wide with Tannehill at receiver, Henry taking a direct snap. Like you said, going right, bouncing left, and powering through guys. We could have told you what the play call was. (laughs) He's going to run over you anyway. And you just have to take it.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, last week we saw him stiff arm josh norman and i think josh norman is still floating somewhere over nashville um or maybe over the earth not sure but um you know we didn't see any of those huge stiff arms but there were a lot of plays where people were were literally bouncing off of derrick henry and they wanted no piece of him they didn't want to be the next internet meme or GIF or anything that'll kind of end their social life so i mean yeah it, it was just a thing of beauty to watch him kind of do what he does best yeah, I'm so glad he's a Titan and that he's on our team. And, you know, he, he's probably going to go down as one of the best running backs in Titans history.
0: Yeah, and, and something I had noticed watching the game, especially once Le'won went out, his pass blocking and receiving has gotten better. Now, he was really, really bad last year, so that's not saying a ton. But yesterday, I thought he was fine. He had several blitz pickups where he ID'd the right guy he... Helped Kelly with Watt a few times. He helped Sambrello a couple times in the fourth quarter. And just if he can be enough where he can be on the field for third down some of the time, where when he's on the field, it's not a guarantee that it's a rush. That just opens up so much the offense. And you just it speaks to his work ethic where he looked lost last year, pass blocking this year with his giant frame. He's Ooh. essentially like an extra tight end back there. If he can put his heading the right place, nowhere to go. He's so big he can stonewall anybody. He's not like Boston Scott where Boston Scott, 190 pounds, has to block a 250 linebacker. Derrick Henry is a linebacker, and (laughs) we saw him that big play in overtime. Yes, he's not going to make the super acrobatic catch, but he can make the catch, and when he gets going, you can't catch him.
1: Yeah, no, and we saw that on um, a little screen pass, he snuck out to the right side of the field, and he took it, I think, 50 yards uh, for an incredible catch and run. So you're right, he has developed, and he has put in the work, and he is turning into that over that complete back that we all hoped he would be. So, yeah, I think, I mean, watch out for the 250-pound the uh, freight train named Derrick Henry.
0: That's all we've got for this week in what was... Maybe the game of the season across the entire NFL. We had late-game heroics, the crowning of a king, and we're still undefeated. We'll be back with you in a couple of days to preview our upcoming game against the hated Pittsburgh Steelers Ugh. and what might actually be the game of the season. The Pittsburgh Steelers' best run defense in the NFL versus the best running back in the NFL. Who's going to win? It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm only a little bit terrified. John, <laughs> tie it up. Tie up, buddy.